My friend asked me if I wanted to hear a really good Batman impression. So I said, go on then. He shouted, not the kryptonite. And I said, that's Superman. And he said, thanks, man. I've been practicing it a lot. Not too bad. actually believe that's what's just kicked off our show but anyway welcome to cinemasters live on forge radio and now available on spotify for your weekend listening with me henry williams me michael johnson and me tom pridgen so to break down what this show is all about each week we'll be discussing and more likely than not probably arguing about a newly released film or documentary yeah and in the process let's try and not ruin our friendships yes and this week we'll be discussing the often controversial and always fascinating life of Wayne Rooney, as seen in his recent Amazon documentary, Rooney. Yeah, and um, I'm particularly excited about this doc because I think it's the first sports documentary about someone whose career I can vividly remember, like, at large. So, first of all, guys, what what do we think of the doc, then? I mean... I, could, I thought I, I quite liked it. Like I'd seen the Neymar documentary a few week, like a week before, and I thought the Rooney one was a lot stronger. I feel like the way it was made was good, and it just grabbed my attention a lot more. I thought it was a lot more interesting. Yeah, exactly. And it also goes back to the point that, that Tom made. It's it's easy for us to to appreciate every documentary because we knew him, you know, as his career went on, um, you know, and, and the controversies that we kind of lived through them as well. You know, 2010 South Africa, for example. We all remember that really well, as opposed to Neymar and the, the problems he had. They've always been quite distant to us, really. Okay, so but first things first, then. Um, stylistically, what, what did we think of the doc as, like, a, how it was stylistically made? We should, I should probably say that we're all broadcast students, so this is kind of something that we uh, do, not regularly, but we've obviously got a bit of a background information on. So stylistically, what did you think of the documentary then? I mean, the way it was shot, I thought was like really good. You saw a lot of the, like the B roll, uh, like just a bit. What are like, you on about? Anyway, no, I'll interject no, there no. quite, <laughs> quite, uh, quite importantly. I'd say. Thank you. And to be honest, the the one thing I thought throughout it was I thought there was a lot, a lot of focus on him as a kid when you know growing up and first getting into the Everton team and all that sort of thing. I don't think it kind of went quiet. I mean, it went up to a what around I'd say when he was pushing to leave United, what, 2012, 2013, something like that, 2014 maybe? I think the first big moment where Rooney said, I'm not happy here at Manchester United was after Ronaldo and Tevez had gone. And they were brought in, what, like Phil Jones and maybe yeah. Chris Smalling or something? Yeah, and you, I, mean, I mean, we can we can kind of talk more about that in a bit, but I think I kind of agree with you that there wasn't really a lot of focus on... You felt like there was a lot of jumps going on in the Rooney doc, and it wasn't kind of like I felt like there was a lot of gaps left. Yeah, exactly. That's what I think. I feel as though there could have been maybe a little bit more about his derby, um, leaving United, going back to Everton as well. They didn't touch on that. They touched a lot on when he started at Everton, but didn't really go back to it. I think um, I think it started. I think the first half of it was really good, and I thought it petered out a little bit. No, no, I get that. I mean, with a documentary of that size and um, what was it, two hours or whatever? Yeah, about like that. It, I don't feel like you're gonna um, capture everything of his career. So I feel like they chose like the key points in it, and like I mean, they did a lot of the England stuff, and I don't know mm. whether that was to grab more people's attention because I think everyone obviously was a supporter of him for England, whereas like a lot of people maybe hated him when he was at United. 
But um, but when when he did go back to Everton, was it that monumental? I mean, I I am an Everton fan, and it was quite a, a momentous thing when he came back, mainly because of the place Everton were in at the time. But the Rooney name carried a lot of weight, and commercially, that was something that Everton really needed to capitalise on. And they never really touched on this in the documentary, which I thought was quite interesting. That he had he had to leave Everton because Everton were going to go bust. For such a massive institution, Everton were in a terrible situation and that Rooney transfer needed to happen. And I was quite, I, w- I feel like I would have been a bit more interested in seeing what, what being hated by the club that he loved his whole life did to him. I don't know about hated. you guys. I mean, to be fair, I don't, I don't know. I, I agree that, you know, there there's there big controversies again around that. Because in the documentary, it showed him celebrating a youth cup game, and under his top, it said, "Once a blue, always a blue." And then there's another part of it where it shows him at Goodison scoring for United, properly giving it some. I don't think he's helping himself with that, to be honest. You know, I think you've got to play your audience a bit. That, that's a good point. I do wonder though whether that anger towards the, you know, he's doing that, he's celebrating in front of the park end. Can I, can I, I ask quickly? Sorry, why do you think he did that? Why, why did he have so much aggression? And that, and that's the thing we. When I watched the documentary, they kind of alluded to his drinking a little bit. Didn't I still kind of left with a few more questions that were never really probed at. And we will talk a bit more about that later on in the show, about you know why that might be. So stylistically, I'm not too sure how comfortable I was with the whole thing. I felt like, I felt like there was more still there to be given. I want to move it on just to talk about... Um, a kind of bigger picture of why did why did this documentary need to be made? I, we haven't had, you know, Gerard. We had M- Maker's Dream, but that was kind of a small portion. We haven't had the Lampard one. We haven't really had a Beckham one. Beckham's massive. So what is it about Rooney that Amazon felt this is the type, this is the one we need to make? Well, it's an interesting one you make because I think that if I think about the most recent um, documentaries on an individual footballer, they've been footballers who have been great in their prime but not actually the star of the show it, it, in the grand scheme of things. You've got Rooney, Neymar, and Antoine Griezmann. And none of them at any point, really, you know, you've, you've always got players better than them in the world. So I think it's almost that's the, that is the style in, in a sense. Um, I can imagine that Rooney would have been keen to do it himself to bolster his own image because I think he has struggled with that. He used to be, um, you know, get bad press for being aggressive, obviously, you know, cheating on Colleen, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe he wanted to show that there's more to him than just this guy that says, um, after every sentence. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think um, it would be. I feel like he just he wants to plug his name a little bit. Like, I think if Beckham said, "Oh yeah, I'll do a documentary," I think Amazon would leap at the chance. I think everyone absolutely loves Beckham, whereas Rooney, it's a, they have different views on him. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously they touch on the documentary. I don't know if we're chatting about that later about uh, his. Uh, stuff off the pitch what well, did you... well let's kind of hash it out a bit now then that whole thing about colleen colleen rooney i f- there was a big part of me that felt like this was her moment to put the onus on rooney i feel like a lot of throughout a lot of his career whenever he did have a scandal like a cheating scandal or something like that i could kind of see parallels between beyonce and jay-z of like you know when beyonce would take it on herself to be the strong powerful woman who's forgiven her man because Rooney was so preoccupied with training for Man United and being the England captain, it was almost like the, the press had said, right, how was Colleen feeling about this? Let's leave Rooney. Let's slander Rooney and let him get on with playing football. But 
let's interrogate Colleen about her reasoning for staying with him. And then this was kind of the moment in the do- this documentary was her moment to be like, I'm done with having this onus on me. It's time for you now to step up and own what horrible boyfriend yeah. you've been. Yeah, I do agree. But also, if you're thinking about it, like, why is the onus on her? In a sense, Rooney's famous for football. Colleen Rooney is famous for being married to Wayne Rooney. And so I think in that sense, the, the onus is always going to go on her because he's so much more in the limelight mm. for other stuff. Yeah, although I do, I, I think this is an interesting... Someone made this point to me about um, Colleen Rooney. A friend of, I was talking to a friend of mine and they said... They gave the example of Harry Kane. Harry Kane's England captain. Couldn't tell you for the life of me who his wife is. Not, like, not a chance. And for all... I, I, I firmly believe that Colleen Rooney's actually done her best to stay out of the limelight. Realistically. I mean, I know there was the whole wedding thing and you could make a few arguments about that. But to give the parallel of Rebecca Vardy, as soon as Jamie Vardy gets to prominence in 2016, she's doing magazine interviews. She went on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. Colleen Rooney, for all the fame of Wayne Rooney, has actually been relatively private. Do you not think? Or maybe, maybe I am way off base here, but I like to think that she's actually been very, very private about the whole matter in her whole life. And she probably just got a bit tired of having to be the, you know, having to be thrown into the limelight and turning to her husband and saying, look, just own this. You've been a terrible husband. Now your time to own it. You're not a player anymore. You're not representing Manchester United. You're representing me and my family. Own it. Yeah, but I don't think she's someone that just completely wants to stay out of the limelight. I mean, Wagatha Christie's going on right now. She kind of, she was the one that instigated that. I don't think she's someone that just necessarily seeks... Um, you know, comfort from the shadows and things like that. I think she probably does have her own little ego in that in that sense as well, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know to be honest. <laughs> I, I don't really follow much of what she's doing. So, like, <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I can't. I can't. Uh, I mean, like, it's not something I'm seeing all the time. I mean, I guess there was more in the limelight back in the day, but mm. was that what she wanted? And yeah, I'd say Vardy's wife, yeah, does probably want it a little bit more. But I don't think she is getting trying to be like really recluse or anything like that. Yeah. It, it was it. Two thousand and six was obviously a weird time in that respect. Then because that World Cup, it was the golden generation of England, and yet Alex Gerrard, uh, Christie. I mean, it was Lampard's ex-girlfriend at the time, but Colleen Rooney, Victoria Beckham. They seemed to be dominating the headlines about England going off to the World Cup. So the, there, is all, there is always that. And I think, you know, going back to the question about why did this documentary need to be made? I, I would beg the question that, well, um, a lot of what's been going on with Rooney kind of happened with Gerard as well. I mean, Gerard was involved in hit plenty of off-pitch scandals. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Everton fan and want to out Steve and Gerard. But sure, it is Harry Kane next, and I'll get yeah. to say a few things. Yeah. But... <laughs> I'll join in on that one. <laughs> but, um, but it is... It, it is Small it's... club piping up. <laughs> <laughs> but, it is, but it is interesting, <laughs> isn't it? That, like, Steven Gerrard... But st- that Steven Gerrard hasn't had the same media scrutiny in the same way. And so I wonder why you think Rooney really got the media scrutiny. I mean, he... I, I don't know much about Gerrard, and that's probably because, A, I'm not that massively informed in Steven Gerrard, but B, because I do think he was a bit more straight age than Rooney. I mean, Rooney, obviously, 2010 saga um, and you know, cheating on Colleen, drinking incidents. I think he was arrested. I think it might have been an, in, while he was in America for, for drink driving or something along those lines. So I think that it's not, really, it's not really the same, though, I don't think. I think it's kind of chalk and cheese. I think 
Gerard, a bit more, you know, what you see is what you get, to be honest. I thought there was a little scandal while he was, like, at Derby as well, like, when he was sort of manager, didn't he have to apologise about something? Yeah, he there did. Was, there was, like, a photo of him. It was, it was oh him, my yeah, God. him passed out with a, room, yeah, him it? passed out with a few... And like, was that while he was managed? Yeah, yeah, I think well, he was. I think it was in that player coach transition. But phase. still, I feel like you've got to be a bit more responsible when you're that. True. Yeah. No, I, I, I do appreciate that. Obviously, as a footballer, you've got to be more responsible. But at the same time, they they spoke a bit about his, uh, you know, his alcoholism and that he's been drinking from a young age. Is there no part of you that maybe thinks like the media didn't really give him that courtesy or the benefit of the doubt of like, this is a young kid who was thrown into a lot of money very quickly, who grew up in an area where when you earn money through hard work, you went and spent it in the pub. And that was his, that was the culture he grew up in. So to suddenly expect him to snap out of that and be, you know, the golden boy of England, it's not as easy. It's not, that easy to do and I don't necessarily know whether the media always gave him the credit for that. I agree and I think a lot of footballers get quite a lot of stick for it. I remember Mario Balotelli when he first joined, signed for Manchester City he was caught and I think his, um, the police pulled him over and they said why have you got like £40,000 in cash on the seat next to you? And he was like because I'm rich you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like it's that sort of thing like these people grow up and I think a lot of footballers you know it's a working class sport would have been working class themselves and suddenly they've, they've come into loads of money and we're analysing them like people that have always had this money that should know right from wrong and all this sort of thing. It's like, well, really? He's 16. He doesn't. And that's fair enough. Yeah, and at the end of the day, I think we like we put them on a pedestal so quickly. And it's like, if I had that much money, I, like, I don't know what would be happening. Like, you, you, you're not going to... I think everyone does things and stuff like that. Like, mm. And like, getting a bit... Like, having a few bevs or something like that. Or like, I mean, £40,000 uh, 40, in cash next year is a bit... It's a bit sus. I wonder what was was happening there, yeah. but I guess. Yeah, I know what you mean. I just, yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? I think that this this media idea, you know, being really callous with with young footballers, I don't think it's anything too new, is it? To be honest, and it's um, and we've seen it now as well. Um, rear its head in, in the case of Raheem Sterling, you know, people like that. And I think it's just it's it's just culture, to be honest. And I don't think it's um it's unique to Rooney in that respect. Okay, so moving it on, I want to talk about sports documentaries and specifically sports documentaries while careers are still active we've obviously in recent times had Sunderland Till I Die All or Nothing with Spurs and Manchester City and now the Rooney documentary so what are your thoughts then about that whole idea well personally for me as a supporter of Arsenal we we currently had the Amazon cameras tracking us behind the scenes and on the one hand I'm kind of like we have a good season so far we've done quite well I think Obviously, we beat West Ham and obviously we were quite unlucky to lose to Everton. But we're pushing for top four. And I'm kind of thinking that if we do manage to get top four, I'll be so buzzing the cameras are behind the scenes. But if we don't and everyone feel, you know, sees our meltdown being filmed, then it's going to be absolutely tragic. So it kind of just depends how it goes. No, I, I get that. I get that. That's why it's, I know it's not got the documentary, but, you know, like AFTV, it's the most interesting when you're, when you're doing uh, rubbish. It's like what, the most do you fun mean, to watch. Do you mean Arsenal fan TV? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they changed the name. They weren't allowed to say, um, but uh, I did find it. Um, I, like that documentary. If you get top four, I definitely probably won't watch because I won't want to see you doing well. But <laughs> if you if you bottle it, that'll be the first thing on my watch list. <laughs> I mean, did, um, did, it's I not about you? the question. <laughs> Going back to the question, yeah. active careers was it? Yeah. No, but I was only. I was just going to add though. Did you watch the Man City one? Then no. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't. Oh, it's interesting. Only because. 
I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I found the Manchester City one a lot more insightful than the Tottenham one, even though Tottenham, like, it, it, did they have success in that season? It was kind of like seen as... No, the they did not. And that's what annoyed me at the time about it, by the way, because that's why it was such a puff piece. I don't know if we're going to get onto puff pieces later, but it was such a puff piece because Spurs had such a bang average season. They got Europa League football, and then you've got Mourinho, like, celebrating in the changing rooms. That's the thing, though. It's all about how you, you convey it in, in, the, in the documentary. A lot of these time, a lot of these things, a team can have an awful season, but because they're being filmed and they can decide the narrative themselves, everything looks quite rosy. Yeah, and um, I, I guess the, the point I was trying to make about active careers is that sometimes that it can work to your advantage, other times it can't. Sunderland, for instance. Sunderland Till I Die comes out after they've been demoted from the Premier League and they fall to League One. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that that, was a, the, that that was the causation of it. But surely it can't help. If, you're in, if the club is in a bad way as it is, having a camera crew come around and film you try and rebuild, how is that going to be helpful? I mean, I, I'd agree, but I think, in, I, I might be wrong in this, but in this day and age, they want to plug so much stuff on social media. Uh, they, I think they film a lot of the stuff uh, they do normally. So I don't think they'll be that focused at all that a camera crew's going around. I don't know. I mean, sometimes they're going to play up to the cameras and things like that. And do you remember, this in the second season of the, have you guys both seen it? The Sunderland Yes, one. yes. In, in the second season, was it Josh Madger, the striker? Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he was like their, their golden boy for the first half of the season. And he, I don't know, I feel as though you can tell he's playing up to it. He's not answering questions and all that sort of thing. I just, I think it creates a really toxic atmosphere, to be honest, within the club. When, you, when it's the club that's struggling, um, I think you need to be really careful with, with, with how you do it and how you position it. And I think that with Sunderland, they put too much pressure on themselves. Like they were always the team that survived relegation somehow. They go down thinking it's going to be this glory piece that's going to get them back up and they'll be able to document their success. And it just shows that they couldn't paper over the cracks. They were in absolute turmoil. Um, and I think the pressure of just being filmed and analysed every single step of the way really was detrimental. So, obviously, when I talk about an active career, Rooney's still got an active career. I know he's retired as a footballer, but he's now going into management with Derby. Was this then... Like, was it a puff piece then? We're going to talk about puff pieces now. Was it a puff piece to further his career as a manager? Because you kind of get the impression that with someone like Steven Gerrard, this isn't relevant. He doesn't need, he, Gerrard does not need something like this to give him credibility as a manager. Do you, maybe, maybe Rooney does need this as, you know, he wants to have a career in management. Maybe he needs this. I mean, I think you could argue that way, but I think just stats show for themselves. And like, I swear, how many uh, points did Derby get, uh, Doc? There were minus 20. I think in total, it's minus 21 that they have, you know, on top of what they've got now. They have to minus 21. And they're like, they're going to survive. And that's, cr I feel like that's crazy. Well, they might, I mean, they might survive. They we might don't, we survive. Don't, and if they do, that is one of the greatest achievements in Derby's history. But they've already had the deduction, though. They weren't. Yeah, they've already yeah, yeah, had no, so as in like, yeah. not on top of this. They've already had it. They've fought back from it. I, Saying that, though, I'm, they might get another deduction as well. If no one buys the club, they might get a further deduction. Everything's stacked against him, and he seems to be performing. But prior to his success with Derby, the, the, the recent success with Derby, I feel like there is still an air around Rooney that, 
oh, he's a bit dim, he's a bit slow. How is he going to? How is he going to be the tactical genius that yeah. we see from Pep or from Klopp or someone like that? Which is obviously what they want to be. When yeah, I mean, I think to be honest, I I don't see this documentary as a way of legitimizing his managerial career. But I do think it's a way of ironing out his contentious past. To be honest, I think that we've seen all the things he's done, and we've just mentioned them a few minutes ago. And I think this is where him telling his side of the story, why um, he stamped on Ricardo Carvalho, why he said that um, John Terry wanted to get you know bigger studs for John Terry and all that sort of thing. I think it's to show a more personable side to him. I don't really think it's about the manager side of things. And if you're going down that route and you're talking about how can he compare to Klopp and Guardiola, I don't see him as that sort of a manager. I don't see him as one of these great tacticians. I see himself as more Sir Alex Ferguson mould, whereby you raise your players on man management skills as opposed to different systems, engineering, you know, a, a way of playing. I think it's, I think you have to, you know, distinguish between the two. But that's, that's interesting you say that because in a Sky Sports interview, when he was asked, what manager do you see yourself, you know, kind of taking the most influence from? He said the two, that one that I didn't play for and one that I did, and the one that I did would be Louis van Gaal and the other one would be Pep Guardiola. And it's interesting you said, oh, I don't see him as a pep. He's not going to, you know, engineer his own system or anything like that. Maybe this is what, when I said he needs this, maybe this is, is his chance to be like, guys, I, I can be that. I don't know why people think I can't. I can be that. I can be the guy to engineer my own system. I can be the guy to be the tactical genius. And, yeah. this, was, and this is my issue with puff pieces. Is it not... Is it not then warping, you know, what the thing's supposed to be? Or is it not an advertisement for himself? Then? But do you know? I, I was just going to say, but I don't see how that this documentary can make him seem like more tactical or whatever you're saying. I don't think that does it, whether he was trying to or not. I'm not saying it's about tactics, though. I'm saying that the stigma around Wayne Rooney at the moment is dim, slow, scouser. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. That's what I think it, is, it was to, to change. It was to try and show his side, his human side, as opposed to the, you know, whatever people think of him. You think he achieved it? Um, I actually, to be honest, I've thought this for a while. I think Rooney gets unfair stick. Have you guys ever seen um, Gary Neville's soccer box thing that they do? It's kind of like, well, they're on Sky, Sky well, whatever the Sky channel is. And he gets a, an opponent or a t- former teammate and they just watch... Um, back clips and highlights from the matches that they were in the same game as. And when you see Rooney, I think he seems actually well chill. He seems like a good guy. I reckon he's a real good laugh. And you see that in his wedding video in the documentary as well. But in interviews, he's kind of like, I mean, I can't do a Scouse accent. He's like, um, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, and he has no personality. He doesn't show anything for it. And so I think this documentary is a really good way to show that he's actually got banter and good chat behind him as well. Do you not think that's also because of interviews and stuff? They're probably taught so much what you can't say. So then uh, you don't realise what you can say. So then it just like, oh, I'll just be a robot in front of it sort yeah. of thing. Because oh. if you've been abused by the press so much, why are you going to give them like some really good stories and shit? Definitely. You definitely. You would be media trained to within an inch of your life, wouldn't you? And I think that it just, it, you know, it makes a very cardboard watching half the time, to be honest. Well, I th- and the point you make about uh, media training is a really good one because for me, I think that was the sort of, the catalyst for his downfall, really, or I say downfall for his like for his media image, the fact that he hadn't been media trained. He, you know, he, I think he'd be the first to say he wasn't an academic person. He loved playing football. So as a 16 year old who's thrown into the limelight, you imagine scoring that goal against Arsenal and then having a um, hundred cameras thrown in your face, and then all of a sudden, go on, say some, 
say something amazing, say something amazing, say something that like T.S. Eliot would have said or something like that. You're like, the 16-year-old boy, the footballer, the, no, he's not, he's not going to be that. And I, and I think that, again, going back to the idea about puff pieces, is this then, the, the, is this the chance to then, like you said, right those wrongs? But is there still not, do you not think there's any part of that then that he's using, he's using this footage or this opportunity to show to future employers, I know what you might think about me because I'm a playing career, but... But trust me, I've got it all going on so up here. So you're telling me that you think a football, you know, a director of football or a football owner would take priority looking at an Amazon documentary as opposed to his managerial and playing career? I mean, I, look, here's the thing. I'm not, obviously, I haven't, I haven't really got a definitive answer for you. But I mean, what do I think? I think there, there's going to be, you know, if you're a foot owner of a football club, a director of football or whatever, you want to feel like the person taking control of your club is a well-rounded person. It has got it all going on up there. It's very easy to take what he's done at Derby at face value and say he's got no pressure. Everything was against him. He's managed to rally the troops and whatever. And you can, and you can say, well, he can take that into Man United. But it, it, I don't always think it's that simple. And so I think that football club owners will look at a sort of, you know, try and find a bigger body of work and maybe this Amazon documentary is part of that big body of work that they can look at and say, yeah, okay, he, he might have something going on. Do you not, maybe you disagree. Do you really not think that that's... Um, I just think that there's other, other, you know, criteria within his portfolio within which someone can look, to be honest. I don't know if that's, that's going to be a deciding factor because, you know, anyone can write or, or you know, star in a documentary that's um, boastful about them. Anyone can, you know, conduct the narrative in a way that suits them best. Um, and, I, and I think it's a well-made documentary, and I do think it, it does bolster his public image. But I don't think that's unintentional. I think they know exactly what they're doing with that. And I think that if you, you know, you're then getting preference for a job because of a documentary that you signed off on, it's a, it's a bit dodgy. Why don't you just, you know, send over autobiographies for a, as a CV? Do you know what I mean? Uh, the, uh, one more thing I want to talk about, which really this really troubled me as a like as a fan of documentaries, I heard it, and again, this is only conjecture, so take it, take it with a pinch of salt. I'd heard that they were planning on doing a follow-up on this documentary. Dun, dun, dun. But no wait, way? <laughs> no, but what really troubles me... Really, really, no, a real interesting yeah, but, no, but hang on. But what really troubles me about that <laughs> is the fact that, like, sh- what, what, why? Why do a, why do a follow-up on Wayne Rooney. I feel like there was, was more to be said, to be honest. That's what I was saying earlier. I, I, I thought it was just been a series. They, I thought, yeah, they abandoned it really early. It was very much like a lot of his upbringing into a young footballer and then didn't really explore much after England. Really. But I can't help but feel like once you've sort of, once you've covered, like, once you've covered the playing career and then now you're talking about the managerial career, they want to, I mean, when I say follow up, they're talking about a follow up within the next year or two. So, this is this is very this is very much now Tottenham's all or nothing except exclusive focus on Wayne Rooney. Now we saw what and again we saw what that did for Sunderland till I die and even Jose Mourinho, he got sacked the season after. I feel maybe there was a part of it that was they were able to you know brush problems under the carpet for the sake of Amazon to make Tottenham look. You know, obviously Tottenham want to really promote themselves to the NFL and have an American audience, so they want to make it look amazing. 
And then when those problems, you know, you couldn't contain those problems anymore, that's when Mourinho had to go. I don't know. I think, I think Rooney's in real trouble here if they start doing a follow-up. And I know you were saying like, oh, dun, dun, dun. Like, but I'm not, I'm not being funny. It could, it could really do damage to his managerial career at Derby. I just, I just don't think... I think it maybe puts a little bit of impact on. And it's, if you're doing terrible and then you get shoved in front of a camera, obviously it's not going to feel good. But I don't think that is the, the sole driving purpose why like Sunderland got relegated and stuff like that because, because they were being filmed. No, it, I'm not saying it was the sole purpose. I'm just saying, is it, can it ever be beneficial though? Um, on a commercial I, front, very possibly. Well, but, definitely. But yeah. if, if you're winning, yeah, and then someone says, oh, you want to chat about it? Would you not be like, yeah, go on. What if you're losing? Yeah, I think, I think it could go either way. I think it could make you a bit more down, but then I think if you were doing well, it could boost you up and then uh, show, you off, show it off to everyone. I mean, it's a kind of a tenuous link, but I'm going to make the link anyway. You, Henry and I are both obviously big fans of The Office, and the kind of, one of the themes behind The Office was someone who thinks that you know, they're going to be filmed and wow the world, and then it just, it just goes wrong. You know, you, you, it, it doesn't always pan out the way you think it's going to. And I think a big. I mean, can for, I just say that is scripted? <laughs> you can't. No, like... but no, but the thing. No, but ha, I know, I know. But Mikey, it's based on. But Mikey, it's based on things that actually happen. Evidently, yeah. it's based on. As for two examples I've just given you, it's based on things that happen. With the Mourinho thing, when Mourinho came in and Amazon came in, they thought, well, this is a great chance for us to show America, the NFL, whomever, that Tottenham's a great run club. We got the we got the Hollywood manager and Jose Mourinho. Things are going to go up, and we'll we'll film it all. So we've got the yeah, we've got the great but, documentary, and then it didn't. No, but they got Europa, and to be honest, but he got sacked the year after. Yeah, but I think Europa for Tottenham, I think it's all right for them. I don't also, think they're that big club that's going to suddenly, if they have a documentary film in them, that they're going to win the Premier League. But can I just say though, because the whole argument that we've been making so far is that people make these documentaries to make themselves look good. In that Spurs documentary, Pochettino was sacked. So why are we now suddenly thinking that the next season, if Mourinho was sacked, the whole thing would be doom and gloom? Because definitely Amazon and Daniel Levy, whoever is involved in it, would spin it to make it look like it was positive and best for a well-run club. You can't do that after you've made the narrative in the season before that Mourinho's this, that and the other. You, you can't. You can't. Obviously, you can't. You can't spend the whole year saying Mourinho's the guy who's actually going to take us to that next level that Poch couldn't quite get to. Oh no! No, no, he, 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 no he show, wasn't. But then you can show your clubs a forward-thinking club. Yeah, we got that wrong. But you know, look, we're we're progressive. We're trying to, you know, do what's best for us. And if that means moving on from one of the best managers of all time, that shows the power and the cards that we hold close to our chest. Very well put. Um, are you gonna say? Have you got anything no, else I to add? I really want to listen to this song. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> well, we are going to be listening. Well, we, we are going to be we are going to be listening to a song now. So we're going to be listening to Waterfall. By the Stone Roses, a Manchester band who are massive fans of Manchester United. Get your back at hat on. That was Waterfall by the Stone Roses. What a tune. A Manchester band, huge fans of Manchester United. Okay, I want to move things on now to... It's Man City, isn't it? No, no, no. Stone Roses and Man United. Really? Because I saw them playing at the Etihad. 
Yeah, I, I saw Take That. Well, playing. I didn't see. It. I saw they were doing. I it. saw Take That playing at Anfield. I saw Michael uh, uh, Michael Jackson played at Anfield. He was a Fulham fan. You went to see Michael Jackson. I didn't go and see Michael Jackson. I'm sure he would have loved to have seen me, but I didn't go, <laughs> I didn't go and see him. Yeah, Michael Jackson. Uh, you know, he used to have a, a, sta- a statue outside. He did have Craven a statue Cottage. outside yeah. Fulham, actually. But he that um, was a he, weird. No, play. he went to he went to Craven Cottage for uh, to like just have a look around. So I think he was doing some London gigs, and the owner of Fulham decided to put. A statue of Michael uh, what, Jackson. What was his name? He's the guy that owned Harrods as well. Yeah, he was a he was a weird guy. And his son, his, his son was the one that died in the car with Diana. Yes, really? yes, that is true. Yes, yeah. that's a that's an interesting bit of trivia. That yeah. Yeah. you know, I think we should try and come each week with more random statue trivia. I, I'm all here for statue yeah. trivia. Mm, yeah. I've got like an unlimited like yeah. resource of knowledge, so oh, yeah, like, yeah. I'm kind of prepared anyway. To be honest. <laughs> Like okay, <laughs> um, <laughs> this guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on to talk now about our last sort of last segment. And um, what I really wanted to talk about was I saw an article talking about Alex. It was Rooney's response to the you know the criticism that Alex Ferguson didn't feature in the documentary. Yeah, and he said I didn't want Alex Ferguson as part of my documentary. Why was that? Why? Yeah. I mean, there's been, there has been a lot, it's been a rocky relationship between those two. Obviously, he signed him as a young boy and then the whole 2009-10 thing. Then there was the 2012 instance. And What are these instances? So in 2009-10, he publicly came out and said, I'm done with Manchester United. The club aren't moving in the right direction. And in his, I mean, I say in his defense, they had just sold Cristiano Ronaldo and Carlos Tevez. And of the front three, he was kind of like, well, I'm, I'm the only one left now. We've got Federico Makeda here, but um, what, what's going on here? And they lost the league that year. Um, but the, I think the interesting point about that, though, was the fact that he had creative control over who was in his documentary, not Amazon deciding what's going to be the best narrative for a good documentary. What, what are your guys' thoughts, then, on giving that creative control to... The subject then mm. what, are you, what are your thoughts on that I think that's an interesting one because with Fergie I remember do you remember when his autobiography came out and there was all that dirt on like Roy Keane I remember Roy Keane especially and um, I think he, he probably dirtied the water of, of a few people's reputation Beckham I think got quite a lot of stick and I wouldn't be surprised if Rooney just thought I don't really know what he's going to say I'm looking for a puff piece here I'm looking to, to change my public perception I'm not really sure if I want a manager who's known me since I was 16 and knows all the mistakes that I've made along the way. And, but I feel like that makes it less genuine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, with the Jordan documentary, um, I don't know if you guys seen it. Yeah. There was like, there was uh, one guy, I can't remember who it was, but uh, Jordan had quite a bit of beef with him. Scotty um, Pippen, wasn't no, it? No, it was the little guy. I was GM. It was the general manager. Oh, no, oh. no. No, to be fair, not him. One of the guys who played, I think, did he play for the Knicks? Oh, this is bad. I play basketball. No. Um, Basically, was he quite tall? No, it was the one. Oh, this is going. This is a real big tangent. This, but they had quite. They had uh, a bit of beef, and um, you sort of saw both sides of it, and you saw like them sort of getting annoyed at each other. And I felt like it showed it showed actually what the story was because there's always going to be two sides to a story. And I think if you just hide that other side, like oh, it makes you think oh he's a great guy, but you're not hearing anything like of someone who would say something bad. I think you need that to get that genuine thing across. I completely agree. I think looking at the broader picture on things, 
Um, I want to draw, I mean, make the comparison between this documentary and did either of you see the Amy Winehouse documentary? It was just called Amy. I think it was 2015, maybe 2014. No, it was, it was an Academy Award winning documentary. It was, it was sensational. But the, the key thing about it was the director, he used archived footage and he didn't interview Amy or the parents or anyone. What he did was he just, he did it of his own accord. He didn't ask the parents permission. Obviously he couldn't ask Amy's permission, but he did it on his own. And what you found was he managed to create a much more rounded uh, like image of who Amy really was and what Amy was really all about. Because at the time, there was a big media image that she's just a pill popper who took it too far. And he kind of righted a few wrongs there. And in response, the BBC came out with this terrible documentary called Reclaiming Amy, which was just propaganda for the parents because the parents got quite a lot of flack in that documentary and i think rightly so i agree rightly so her dad was a crook and that's and that's the thing then they get bbc said well actually amy's dad do you want to have your say we'll let you have complete control over it who who we interview and we'll let you create the narrative and then you know the dad says oh we now know about mental health and you're like oh good the bbc have dropped the mental health line and now everyone's going to forgive the parents like it's the point i'm making is like the fact that they gave the subject the creative control really ruined the the honesty and, like you said, the authenticity behind the the story that they were trying to tell. So, in this case, maybe did did we miss out on stuff because Rooney had that control? Yeah, but I don't know who who who's, you know, <clears throat> who commissioned this, who wanted it to be done. But it's very possible that, you know, the whole thing was happening and Rooney wanted it to happen for his own personal gain and things like that. Why would he sign off on something that's not going to be, you know, beneficial for him or complimentary to him? Amy Winehouse doesn't have that ability because she died. Rooney's obviously not going to want something that's going to be bad, is he? Like, that's... None of us would. None of us would sign off on a documentary, which makes us look poor. Of course we wouldn't. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's open this up to a really deep question then. Are documentaries now becoming propaganda and moving further away from journalism, which is what they're supposed to be? And if they're propaganda, I mean, because look, we're we're all we're depends, all. Ju- I'll call. Even though we're broad, we're broadcasters, we're journalists, and it's our job to tell the truth. But how are you going? How are you going to do that when you under the you know under the thumb I mean, of it, someone who you're just trying to appease? Isn't everything propaganda? Depending on how the way, the way you look at it, if you think about Louis Theroux and the way that he went to Westboro Baptist Church, they might think of that as propaganda. They might think that they came across really poorly, but for the rest of us in society, they think we think it's terrible. So they may think this British guy has come here. He's really you know exemplified our church and what we do and what we're all about. Whereas everyone's like, what the hell? They are evil, et cetera, et cetera. I, I take that point. But at the same time, okay, let me think of another Louis Theroux documentary. Okay. The one where he went to Coalinga. Uh, I don't know if you, either of you seen I've it. I've seen when, that one, yeah. You know, when you go, so he basically goes to this, uh, I, I don't know how you would describe it, like a, a mental institution mm-hmm. for people who've committed, se- uh, like trigger warning, sexual offences. And he basically, like, he just explores the institution and what, it, what, what the ins and outs of being in that institution is like. So, for me, and for me, I think he paints a really honest picture because he's not bowing down to these people and, like, saying, like, look, don't worry, I'm going to make you look amazing. I'm actually going to make you look really good. Oh, but he's it's going. different, though, because they're not, that's not one individual subject. It's about Koalinga, the actual 
institution as a whole. This documentary is literally called Rooney. It's not called John Smith from prison. Do you know what I mean? And so he has no um, obligation to support them or anything. He's 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 making a very neutral, no opinionated documentary of this person in this prison, why they're there, how they get treated. So linking it back to Rooney then, and obviously, as you said, they are different. and I appreciate that they are different. So what does that mean then for the for the future of documentary making then about individual people? Are we is it going to be a case of now we've got to wait until they die before we can do anything honestly? I mean, is that is, is that they, what it does, is? Will have Rooney given the final say or like he said? He said. I mean, he's he's quoted as saying, "I didn't want Alex Ferguson in my documentary." Now that and that's the thing that troubles me because it's not not only you say my documentary like it's my advertisement. But the fact that he said, I didn't want him. But it's his dog. We're, we're, com- we're comparing Chalk and Cheese here, I think. We're comparing something that's meant to dissect and analyse an institution or a body, an entity, however you want to put it. And we're comparing it with a documentary about someone's life that's always been in the public eye about one specific person. I don't really think they're comparable. And I don't know if it's propaganda. I just think that it, it was there to serve a purpose and entertain as well, and it has. But was it not? Is it not supposed to be informative at all then? But it is informative. Yeah, but it, it, can, it, can, it, can it ever really be informative if it isn't completely honest? What was in the, honest in the, in the honest. same way? In the, well, in the, still... in the same way that I could, t- I could tell you something about my life. I could sit here for hours and tell you everything about me. I know if, you could. If it's not, but if it's not true, if, it's some of it, if some of it isn't true or doesn't paint the full picture, can you ever say that that was really informative? Because I... Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, but I, I do feel like with the Rooney documentary, he didn't like he didn't shy away from some of the like sore points in his life. He spoke about them and he was just giving his own opinion on it and stuff like that. And like Colleen's uh, opinion on the matter. So I don't think like it was just all oh, Rooney's great. Rooney's great. They did put a bit of light onto it. And I think it was accurate. Again, it's that thing when, when they say accuracy. It's an it's an honest retelling of his own experiences. Maybe I just can't help but think like when you when you go on record as saying I didn't want him there, then you're can't, then you're muddying the waters. Then for me, between like giving an honest account of you and maybe they, you just didn't want painting the, him, painting the perfect picture of yourself, and that's fine. But is that's what that, my point? I think my point still stands. Is it not? Are you not? like treading not really treading the line very well between painting you know being honest about yourself and painting the picture that you want others to see of you yeah i don't know i just it's tricky i think because it is a documentary just solely about that person that i think they should have a right to decide what way it goes about like if someone's doing a documentary about you you're you should have the right to sign off on mm. something. Yeah, exactly. And and going back to what you're talking about, the Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary about the Bulls in the '90s. That whole thing was about Michael Jordan being this huge alpha male who had dominated changing room, um, and anyone who came in his way had basically defeated and all that sort of thing. I can imagine Michael Jordan would be an absolute nightmare to work around in some instances because he would be so egotistical. Um, and his testosterone would just be brimming out of him constantly. It'd be an absolute nightmare to go around. But the last dance isn't about that. 
Last dance about how much of a positive catalyst he was. I th- I, I would agree, uh, but I, I want to make a point there. Um, they did do that, and they showed Jerry his like the GM or whatever he was, and showed him um, uh, like being a bit annoying and how bad he was. But I think also to most people realize, mate, they like they bullied that guy. They bullied. Him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and exactly. I like. I don't think that was putting him in a good light. I, I was like, Michael Jordan's a little bit of a. From what I saw, he would make jokes. I know Jerry didn't help himself, but I, I would actually say in that documentary, it was maybe a bit better in showing that he wasn't like the perfect, perfect man. But but I, yeah, I, I I I'm completely in agreement. I think he did look like a bully. But I think the rhetoric in the documentary was that Jerry was in the wrong and Michael didn't like it. And so I don't think anyone in the documentary challenged Michael on it. It was very much Jerry was always in the wrong, Michael was always in the right, and this is how it happened. But and kind of linking that to the Rooney doc, I, I can under I can I, I see I take your point about Michael Jordan, but for me there was points where Rooney would sort of come out with things and they had to go to archived footage of Alex Ferg's speaking to a meet to a mass media at the time which is you know which is different to talking in a documentary rooney's got the chance rooney's had 10 years to kind of formulate his logistics for wanting to leave manchester united and they're using very like sort of uh, impulsive and instinctive footage from alex ferguson to give the counter i just think to give that but to give that balance to make this as like again to make it journalism rather than is it journalism that, and there, there is the there is the question. Looking forward, are pieces like this, are they journalism? Are they propaganda, or are they a form of art? Yeah. What, 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 you know, it, it's very, it's very hard to just say, oh, it's its own thing, because it's we need to have firm rules for it. Then, don't we? We need to have a bit more, you know, more of a rigid structure, more of a paradigm. Why? 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 If, you, if, if you're saying it's art, why should it have a structure? That's exactly what it should not have. Hmm. Because I, I still think, even with cinema, there's still a paradigm with which it has to fit. There is. And when, like, I think with... I, I don't know. I think that's why you get revolutionary things. You do. You do. And I'm not, I'm not taking... I'm not trying to detract from that. But I still think, even with cinema, even with painting and things like that there are still paradigms with which things have to fit before they no longer like it's a it's a hard one to it is a very hard one to explain but i think for for something like a documentary we still we need to i think a broader discussion needs to happen of what what are we doing here are we are we is this propaganda is this an honest account is this you know complete fiction and we're just telling a dramatic retailing of something and I don't have an answer for it. I'm, I, I don't think any of us do. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think documentary, the sole purpose, in my opinion, is entertainment and to inform. And like, I'd say you'd see it in the, in the, um, the documentary about like a lot of his goals sc- scoring. I thought they were like, it, it was a bit like, I, I'd watch that in a highlight reel. And, uh, and they were just giving a bit more information. I don't know whether you say it was enough. Yeah, I guess he probably should have got Ferguson in to show the whole side of the story. But if, he, if, if it's about him, I think he should be allowed to choose who he has. Okay. Well, that was the very first episode of Cinemasters on Forge Radio. Thank you all very much for listening. Boys, I think we should give this Rooney doc a percentage. 
We're master students. A percentage? Well, out of, out of, um, well, no, out of 100. We're master students. We get marked out of 100. This should be two. Okay, I'm going to say 74.5. 74.5? Well, I feel as I've massively overshot based on your you reaction. You have. <laughs> it's at least a third. <laughs> no. Go on, Mikey. Percentage. All right. Um, I'll go for a 64. And you know what? I'm going to go 59. Not quite a two one for me. Right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for listening to Cinemasters. What are we doing next week, Tom? Next week, we are going to be doing Tinder Swindler. Oh, it's a great watch, guys. So please, watch that before. please listen next week. And before next week, make sure you give Tinder Swindler a watch. Thank you all very much for listening. I've been Tom Pridgen. I've been Henry Williams. And I've been Michael Johnson. And we'll see you next week. Uh.